0: Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro podcast. I'm Shauna Simawang. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so that they can be more effective in their jobs. Today, I'm really excited to have Dagmar from Salesforce join us. Dagmar, I'd love for you to introduce yourself, your role, and your organization to our audience.
1: Thank you, Shauna, for the invitation. It's great to be here. I'm Dagmar Eisenbach. I'm Head of Sales Enablement for Salesforce, responsible for the EMEA central region, that's DACH, um, Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. I've been working for Salesforce for nearly two years. Um, I have joined Salesforce because of its strong positioning and belief and actions around business as a platform for change. So I'm also trying to make my contribution to that change I'm, um, I've co-founded a bioenergy cooperative in my home village. And um, I'm also the president of the board of a microfinance um, organization. In my day job, I'm, as I've mentioned, lead a, a team of professionals um, that's responsible for um, nearly 500 sellers across the, the region. Um, and onboarding is, is a really huge part of what we're doing because we're growing very strongly. But we're also having other big topics in terms of sales skills, operational excellence, product and industry know-how. And um, as everyone, we've had some challenges in the pandemic to actually make sure that we can actually serve our sellers in the best possible way. Specifically, as they are learning a lot from each other, and now they've started to rely a lot more on on our offerings. Um, And I think we're going to go into more detail about that right now
0: well we're very excited to have you and speaking of change uh, we've got the new year right around the corner and many organizations now are starting to focus on building out their plans for the year ahead given all of the change that's occurred in the last few months I-, I would love to learn from you how can practitioners strategically plan for the next year while also taking into account all of the uncertainty that's still possible
1: So you're asking me how can practitioners strategically plan for the next year while also accounting for uncertainty? I see about three levels of how to answer the question, practically, operationally, and strategically. So practically, I think you need to leave room for the unforeseen. Um, In this fast-changing world, strategic plans need to be increasingly flexible and responsive to change. It's just not possible to... to think and know exactly and forecast what will happen all of next year. Therefore, I'd recommend that you choose some lower priorities for some of your plans so that you know already immediately um, that is those items they would give way for the the unforeseen. And your stakeholders also know that they are of a lower priority. And ultimately, that's the purpose of a strategy. You know what you'd say no to. Operationally, if you um, increase self-service offerings um, that you can complement with in-person skills, then I think you'd be on safer grounds, having a good mix of different delivery mechanisms um, and having a broader menu of topics that you can cover um, so that you can actually choose from that menu what is relevant at which point in time and be prepared to develop completely new ones. And I think for those new ones, it's specifically the delivery in a hybrid way, meaning where people get together face-to-face and virtually and potentially even at the same session so that a part of your audience is sitting maybe in different hubs across in small rooms and they can, or bigger rooms probably, so that they can sit together and others um, are are online and how to orchestrate that together. That'll be fascinating. And we'll get some practice with that um, next year. And uh, strategically, you need to bear in mind that Gartner states that digital adoption was fast forwarded by about 5 years and now more than 58% of the workforce are reporting skills transformation since the onset of the pandemic so um, that that refers to the change we can see in the skills that are needed and that will drive our uncertainty or let me say our curiosity in how we tackle the challenges and enable our sellers to tackle them in a productive proactive and constructive way.
0: I'd love to understand how, how did you adapt your own strategy and plans for this year as your organization had to adjust to change? What are, what are some of the key lessons that you learned from um, that process that you're applying to your 2021 planning?
1: Well, you know, like in an emergency situation in a plane, you really need to put your own mask on first, then help the others. So, if you fo- focus on your well being and the well being of your teams, then the numbers, the sales numbers will follow. They're actually only possible if people are in that state of well being. So, there were a few key things that we needed to do, um, we needed to adapt to and take into account the personal and local reality a lot more than you had to do that before. I mean, poor connectivity, you needed to be more patient, family constraints, being a lot more flexible of when to talk. Um, But also what we did actually was um, we had company all-hand calls every week. And it was amazing how much inspiration, education um, comes from that. And by speaking more often with the whole company, um, actually helps to also respond to very specific um, changes that happened in that week and where and how we position ourselves to that. We've also had some more Be Well initiatives um, and the dream force, um, to you actually showing and demonstrating that there is a way of how to deal with all of those changes and making the best out of that. So uh, keeping the fun in the, in the discussions and keeping the fun in our interactions. Secondly, we've also uh, worked on increasing our virtual delivery skills. So also, you know, enable the enablers, um, and we did that by adding energizers, adding revisitors, you know, just like what have we just learned? What did we just talk about? And also by experimenting and innovating, trying out new things. Some of them worked, others didn't. And that's okay. So we figured out that we needed to be a lot shorter, sharper, more entertaining, and therefore maximizing our interaction by using any tools like quizzes as a revisitor poles to just make clear what is in the room and gamification, for example, with a a tool called icebreaker, which is just always uplifting the energy tremendously. But anything that introduces more fun, more interaction and more informal discussions um, was something we uh, were trying out a lot and are still learning about.
0: Now, you know, you you did mention that there were some challenges along the way. Uh, What were some of the key challenges that you think practitioners should anticipate when they're building out their plans and how can they maybe go about mitigating some of these challenges?
1: Clearly, Zoom fatigue is in all of our words and minds and we really need to overcome the Zoom fatigue with virtual socializing, uh, which seems um, a contradiction itself, but, but it isn't. Um, you know, these informal, unplanned social connections. We're really talking of social distancing, but it's really physical distancing because we do really need to have a lot more of those social connections and conversations. They're really crucial um, for for innovation. It's often in that unplanned space of discussing new ideas that something really groundbreaking is, is, is coming out and creating that in a digital space is really key. It's probably a reflection on your own company culture and how you do that. But again, experimenting around that is something um, you need to do to mitigate um, that challenge because you can have the best content if your sellers aren't listening because they're also in a call in parallel or uh, in the email at the same time, it's not getting through. So you really need to make sure that they can listen and their mind um, is open. Another key concept is um, around team developing and focusing on the teaming side of things to overcome the distance bias. If we're further away from each other, we may not have the space to share our feelings and our ideas and opinions. So simple activities like a check-in or having weekly reflections, um, that is more about sharing rather than performing. These are powerful tools to mitigate that distance bias and avoid unnecessary conflicts that are a lot easier to see and to feel when you're in a room together and therefore can be resolved easily. But um, on the virtual side, we, we need to make that extra effort to to overcome that.
0: Absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. Now, how how have you gone about gaining buy-in from your stakeholders for your sales enablement strategy?
1: I think one of the best advice I actually received from one of our senior salespeople is to say to approach our plan um, in the same way that um, they need to approach our customers so in that sense I feel like we need to lead by example um, and selling our plan the way that we'd expect our sellers to sell our services so you'd always need to start with a customer customer centric discovery so in that sense. In my mind, it's the observing what is needed, listening uh, on on the more people side and understanding the numbers on the more direct business side. And then it's like the yin and yang of people and numbers. And the more, of course, you have in numbers of what the skills and competencies are in your Salesforce, the easier it is um, to to describe where potential gaps are. um, But where you don't have that to the extent you'd like it, You really need to do it through the observation and the listening um, and and that discovery. In addition, all of this customer-centric discovery will help you build trust with your stakeholders. A a trusted advisor status um, with the stakeholders is really like a a, a partnership, and we build and deliver enablement with and for them, not to them. So that partnership um, is key in gaining buy-in from the stakeholders. So it's not my sales enablement strategy, but it's our sales enablement strategy.
0: I love that approach. Now, I wanna, I wanna pivot just a little bit with our last two questions. And I, I wanna talk about uh, the evolution of sales enablement. Um, I would love to understand from your perspective, how has sales enablement evolved as a function in the past year with all the changes that have occurred?
1: I think it's clear that the uh, function sales enablement as a function has actually become more important specifically as peer-to-peer learning at the coffee pot where a lot of that learning <laughs> would happen in the past you know also shadowing um, of colleagues it has become a lot more um, difficult not impossible but but more difficult it, it also impacts um, onboarding as this is taking longer so we really need more of a scalable approach from from sales enablement. We really need to be much clearer and programmatic about it because we can't rely on those informal interactions. But we also, at the same time, we've spoken about it needing to be shorter and sharper. So we need to chunk out that knowledge and virtualize it. At the moment, it's a lot more difficult to do a two-day training event. We can do it, and we have done it, but we're really trying to do much shorter sessions And um, therefore, the chunking and virtualizing plays a big big role. In addition, the sales enablement function has become more nimble and segmented in the past year because um, in in the past, we could fill up big rooms and we could actually address a lot of people at the same time. And whilst that is still possible and um, adequate for certain content, um, there's also a lot more specific content that's coming out and um, we can already have a critical mass in the online world where in the past we wouldn't be able to fill up a whole room um, for, in that. And now that gives us the opportunity to have interaction for people that otherwise might have been quiet in a, in a large room. It, it means that the enablement function, as I said, become more nimble and more um, segmented to drive the specific needs of specific groups um, in the, in the sales force.
0: I love that. I think that's a great perspective on its evolution so far. How do you think that sales enablement will continue to evolve in the next year and beyond? And what do you see as some of the core opportunities for success?
1: The sales enablement function is becoming even more important in the the new year, um, specifically, as many sellers now need to work in new ways and cover things that they didn't need to do in the in, in the past, the so jobs are changing fast. We need to be adaptable, probably in all functions. And in in order to deal with that, to go with that flow, to understand what's happening and deal with it, we really need to create a culture of learning um, as the path to to growth within the sales organization. In addition, scalability. Automation and self service are becoming increasingly important within the function. As the function is becoming more important and maybe resources aren't growing at the same speed as its importance, we really need to make sure we're finding shortcuts for scaling whilst not losing the learning impact because you still need to have emotion in order to learn something. I think that's one of the scientific uh, uh, facts that without an emotion, you will not necessarily retain what you've learned. So um, there may be some more development I could foresee in simulation applied exercises, virtual reality. Um, Of course, meeting people, that personal interaction is always the most powerful, but I think we also need to be open for other means. And I could also see that even once we can meet in person again, we will want to keep some of what we've learned and what we've um, started to value from the virtual tools so we become a lot more flexible and adaptable what tool what context we are using for which learning more nimble and segmented as i've said before the other thing is that we probably need to capture the business impact of our actions a lot more just so we can ensure that we are focusing on the biggest levers specifically as there's a ton more work than we would actually be able to do with the hours um, of the day in order to cope with this change, this increase in in demand. So I think um, the number side will be very important or even more important in the new year. And last but not least, hybrid delivery, um, meaning that combination of face-to-face and virtual, I think that really means we can combine the best of both worlds, smaller groups and more specific inputs the right balance of keynotes for everyone, and then maybe industry-specific knowledge for the smaller groups where that is relevant, maybe self-methodology skills, again, for everyone, but then maybe specific deep dives or bite-sized gourmet chunks of knowledge just at the right time, just in the right place, maybe even triggered by certain numbers-based um, triggers. Um, that That's, I think, hybrid delivery will, will really help us and learn completely new ways of actually delivering training and uh, should lead us hopefully into a really good next year and beyond.
0: That was fantastic. And I I love that outlook. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. To our audience, thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you'd like to share or a topic you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.